0: My name is Safik Alwalia, I'm an ex-Progress Texas employee. And uh, you know, I'm from the Northeast. And I thought we had problems up there. And then you move to Texas and like, I'll be honest, when I moved, was like, I'm gonna flip the state before I leave. That did not happen. But you see that like, you know, the narrative that I hear up North is Texas is a bunch of, you know, redneck conservatives, but that's just not the case. And you need a Progress Texas in this state to help connect all these beautiful souls who want to create really beautiful progressive change and without us in the middle you know trying to like bring all the voices together it's really hard to organize it's monday october 9th 2023 indigenous peoples day hats off to those of you who are observing today this is the progress texas daily dispatch rapid response on the breaking news stories texas progressives need to know i'm chris Mosier. The third special session of the Texas legislature, called by Governor Greg Abbott this year, starts today at the Capitol in Austin. Kevin Baskar at KXAN-TV in Austin says border security measures and expanding COVID-19 mandate bans are on the agenda, but the decades-long fight over school vouchers is at center stage. We posted an extensive conversation with State Senator Juan Hinojosa and education advocates Patty Quincy of the American Federation of Teachers and Dr. Chloe Latham-Sykes of the Intercultural Development Research Association over this weekend. Have a listen to our Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast published on Friday night for a thorough overview of the multiple reasons for our position at Progress Texas, which is that progressives of every stripe and walk of life should be fundamentally and steadfastly opposed to any compromise on state vouchers, even in the face of what Governor Greg Abbott has pledged as an endless and relentless push to pass them. Disagreeing, apparently, is at least one elected Democrat in the Texas House, namely State Rep. Barbara Gervin Hawkins, whose district includes much of eastern San Antonio, Michael McCardle at WFAA and Dallas, writes that the representative appears to be open to compromise, hinging on the idea that the passage of school vouchers is already a foregone conclusion And that there's some possibility that Republican lawmakers will miraculously allocate enough funding to public schools to offset the multiple millions of dollars those budgets would lose to vouchers, even in a situation where public school funding isn't even on the agenda of the session. And the idea that so many people would rush to flee public schools in Texas that space in private schools would quickly be exhausted anyway. Gervin Hawkins is herself the founder of a public charter school, the George Gervin Academy, which serves about 1,000 students in Bear County. We encourage the representative's constituents to reach out today. Protests against the push for school vouchers got underway this weekend in Austin. Malia Matsumoto at TV covered a gathering of hundreds of public school teachers, students, and upset parents who took to the grounds of the state capitol on Saturday. Many of whom marched from the capitol to the nearby governor's mansion to drop off pairs of boots symbolizing their call to boot school vouchers from the conversation. Wouldn't that be nice? House Representative Gene Wu of Southwest Houston's District 137 took to Twitter on Friday to offer a theory that the reason school funding and teacher pay may have been conspicuously omitted from the special session agenda may be plans to replace certified public school teachers with uncertified teachers at lower pay scales and that Houston ISD may already be the guinea pig for that move, as people lacking certification have been employed as teachers in Houston since that district was taken over by the state. The fact of the matter is, passing vouchers will require a flip in position on the part of several House lawmakers, regardless of party, and that's a distinct possibility and might even be the most likely outcome if Republican Representative Brad Buckley of District 54, including Colleen Temple and Harker Heights, is right, Another one here from Michael McArdle at WFAA says Buckley claims to have had numerous conversations with members across the state and at least a few of those previously opposed to vouchers have at least joined the table for discussions. He talks about wooing potential flippers with the talk of teacher pay raises and increasing the basic allotment. But again, those items are not on the special agenda as things kick off this morning at the Capitol. Back to an item that is on the agenda, immigration and mainly punitive and draconian targeting of migrants themselves rather than any step to address or understand the root causes of illegal immigration. The session agenda, in fact, singles out by name the Colony Ridge Residential Community Northeast of Houston which has become a right-wing lightning rod for what their side has long considered an invasion. There's a great explainer piece on Colony Ridge from J. David Goodman at the New York Times, who describes the developer's plan to offer plots of cheap land and unconventional loans for people who wanted to build their own houses with few restrictions, which became popular amongst undocumented immigrants in Texas who often don't have the legal paperwork required for most bank loans immediately drawing opposition from white neighbors nearby and now characterized by conservative media as a hostile occupation zone of sorts, complete with helicopter tours by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of the kind you might expect of natural disaster areas. The Colony Ridge situation also brings to light yet another ideological schism within the Republican Party. Those who focus on business freedom and those determined to control the border are at odds here. Battle Reed in the show notes. Also on immigration, Alicia Rasco and Angela Kocherga at NPR cover the Biden administration's controversial plan to build a new section of wall on the U.S.-Mexico border, waiving more than two dozen federal environmental laws to add 20 miles to the barrier and in spite of President Biden's previous pledge that he would not add another foot of border wall to that overseen by his predecessor in the Oval Office. This additional 20 miles might seem inconsequential considering that it adds to an existing 450-mile wall, but... The specific location is key. Environmental groups are very concerned that the wall construction is happening in an area that is home to several endangered species. The Center for Biological Diversity describes it as a horrifying step backwards for the borderlands. And all the while, it's well established that walls do not deter most border crossings, but rather redirect them to other places on the border. It's hard in this case to determine politically whom exactly the Biden administration is trying to impress, because in our view, This move solves nothing and should be reconsidered. The big story globally, of course, is the weekend attack by Hamas on Israel, an event with the potential of global destabilization. Writer S.E. Jenkins at CBS Texas says police departments around the Dallas-Fort Worth area are increasing patrols after the attack by Hamas due to concerns about direct conflict between supporters of Israel and supporters of Iran, which funds and provides weapons to Hamas. The chief of police in White Settlement, Christopher Cook, says his department will have an increased presence at all places of worship, Air Force Plant 4 and the Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base at Fort Worth. In Garland and Duncanville as well, police have stepped up monitoring of all places of worship, and similar law enforcement adjustments are happening for the same reasons across Texas and, in fact, around the world. In a related piece, Kelly Garrity at Politico writes that Republican U.S. Representative Michael McCall of Austin has expressed worry that the gridlock and paralysis in the U.S. House, currently without an elected speaker, largely due to his majority party's failure to cooperate within its own ranks at a moment of potential global crisis, sends a dangerous signal to America's adversaries. He's working on a bipartisan resolution to condemn the Hamas attack on Israel, with Democratic Representative Gregory Meeks of New York, who is also a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, intending to push it to the House floor by unanimous consent. Also in the DFW Metroplex, a journalist sting in Fort Worth reveals that high profile Texas Republican operatives have been directly collaborating with two of the extreme right wing's most loathsome characters. Robert Downen at the Texas Tribune says Jonathan Sticklin, the leader of a group that's donated millions of dollars to Texas Republican office holders, hosted prominent white supremacist Nick Fuentes and acquitted double murderer Kyle Rittenhouse for several hours on Friday at a one-story office building in a remote business park in western Fort Worth. The building is the headquarters for Pale Horse Strategies, a consulting firm for right-wing candidates that's owned by Strickland. Also present during the meeting was Matt Rinaldi, the chair of the Republican Party of Texas and an ally of Strickland, who later told Trib reporters he didn't know Fuentes was in the building and was, quote, just borrowing a conference room, unquote. You'll recall that former President Donald Trump caught flack from Republicans for hobnobbing with Fuentes last year, though it doesn't appear to have damaged him much with his base. Bear in mind that all of this is being bankrolled by West Texas oil barons and pastors Tim Dunn and Ferris Wilkes, whose names seem to keep popping up as ever more ugly right-wing politics continue to rise in Texas. The Trib piece we're referencing here gives a one-paragraph description of Fuentes' greatest hits, which is far too disgusting to quote here. See the link in the show notes for that and more details on the connections between big oil, Christian nationalism, and far-right fringe hate groups. It is a freaky read indeed. On that note, the arrest in Texas of a top ExxonMobil executive on sexual assault charges. Mike Murphy at MarketWatch writes that David Scott, the head of ExxonMobil company's shale oil and gas production business, was arrested last Thursday at a La Quinta Inn & Suites hotel in Magnolia. Near Exxon's headquarters in spring, he faces a charge of second-degree felony sexual assault and was released on a $30,000 bond. Scott has been suspended by his employer. As the investigation proceeds, details of the assault itself have not yet been reported. Man, this has been a rough one for a Monday, but there's a little good news to close with. For some parts of Texas and terrible drought conditions, it's going to rain. Enough to make a difference? Doubtful. But Anthony Franzi at the San Antonio Express News says tropical storm Lydia is moving slowly eastward in the eastern Pacific and is expected to strengthen to a hurricane today and to make landfall north of Puerto Vallarta on the west coast of Mexico by tomorrow night. The hope is that the weakening remnants of Lydia may bring badly needed rain to San Antonio and South Texas on Wednesday into Thursday. And that's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Monday, October 3rd, 2023. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Thanks to your support, Progress Texas podcasts are now within the top 5% for listenership in the entire world. And it's almost time to vote. Our very popular progressive voter guide for the 14 constitutional amendment propositions on the ballot next month, including important items related to Texas Teacher Retirement Funding, and State Parks is up now at Progresstexas.org. This election will be an important opportunity to flex our progressive civil muscles and help shape the direction of our state. By the way, the last day to register or update your registration is coming up tomorrow, Tuesday, October 10th, is the registration deadline. Early voting begins on Monday, October 23rd. Find everything you need to know about voting in Texas at GoVoteTexas.org, and please consider supporting our important work with a donation at ProgressTexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again tomorrow.